0: J.R.R. Tolkien writes, The world is indeed full of peril, and in it there are many dark places. But still there is much that is fair, and though in all lands love is now mingled with grief, it grows perhaps the greater. How can we encounter what is fair, what is beautiful, as Catholics in today's culture, with our hearts? Welcome to the Catholic Podcast, host for today's show, Chloe Langer. Joined by Sarah Burns, who joined us for Lent. This is your second one. It is my second one, yeah, because yeah, you are yeah. here during the Lenten series, so join us back for round two. We didn't scare her away. Not yet. <laughs> so we're here talking about kind of the heart side of beauty. So last week, Joe and I talked about kind of like the intellectual side of beauty, what it means as a concept, as a transcendental. But today, we're back again to talk about beauty because, A, you can't talk about it enough because it's fantastic. <laughs> And to just because we wanted to really emphasize that this is something that can be lived in your daily life and encountered with your heart. So we're here to talk today to Sarah about beauty. Perfect. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about kind of the role that beauty has played in your own faith life? It's
1: probably
0: the transcendental that
1: I encountered the most experientially. You know, I love my books. I'm pretty intellectual, but I think that the Lord has really used beauty to like touch my heart. Um, and I think, too, I mean, you can have that beauty and truth and all of that as well. Mm-hmm. The transcendentals are very intimately connected, you know, so you can't really encounter one without, right? you know, encountering the others as well. Mm-hmm. But I think one more concrete example of how beauty played a role in my faith life would be my experiences in pilgrimage. So as you know, I love to travel, whether it's in Europe or, in, you know, beautiful churches in the States. Mm-hmm. There's... Just story after story of just being like really touched in like the depths of my heart by like wow I mean a beautiful church or you know a beautiful sunset yeah. or you know all of these things like when you encounter them with a, an openness and receptivity to God you just see like how much He loves you you know like it lifts your lifts your mind and your heart up
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I think it just gives you that that openness to who He is and if He can make such beautiful things, or if he can create humans who, out of their love for him, like, make these beautiful
0: things. Like, what does that mean about him? What what does that mean about who he is, you know? If you had to pick one, this is, like, put you on the spot. This oh. is, like, the worst. It's like picking your favorite kid. If you had to pick one of the churches that you've been to, which one would you... <laughs> As you cringe, like, no, this is the worst question. <laughs> one
1: of the churches. Yeah. Okay. That's really hard. You know, I... This is probably going to be an opinion that changes after my upcoming yes. pilgrimage. Yes. But I will say stepping off the plane in Barcelona a few years ago mm-hmm. and stepping into La Sagrada Familia, the yes. huge cathedral, which is still under construction. Yeah. Yeah. It has been for a while. Yeah. If they ever finish it, I want to go back. <laughs> um, that was very, very magical for me because, yeah, it's it's huge. It's the scale of it is monumental and it just gives you that sense of just like the vastness of creation Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the architecture on the inside is specifically meant to remind you of like um, eden and the stained glass windows i mean they filter in and all of this like limestone kind of colored stone inside is just covered in this light of all these different colors and It was like, um, so I love Lord of the Rings. It was like stepping into La Florian and being like, whoa, like I just need the elf music playing in the background. (laughs) But instead of elf music, it was like organ music. (laughs) I was like, this is great. I love this. Um, It made a huge impression on me, the the marriage of... Beautiful church architecture and symbolism. Yes. With like the beauty of nature and like how they were really working to bring
0: that together. It was really beautiful. I love that specifically about Catholic churches, especially with stained glass, which I love. That's mm. one of my favorite things about churches. About how this isn't just like this is pretty glass to fill some space. It's like, no, this is evangelization, especially like after the Protestant Reformation, and you're you're working with a lot of people who are illiterate, but you still want them to encounter the Lord. Mm. And like stained glass isn't just isn't just beautiful, which yeah. it is. But it's also this beautiful evangelization tools like this is what our faith is, and here's encountering it through beauty. And so I love how, especially in church architecture, we see it's not just an arch, it's not just a window, it's not just a door. This is like an invitation into the beauty of God. How can focusing on beauty, both in God but also in our faith in Catholicism, um, lead people back to the church?
1: I think beauty softens the heart. Yep. So just to take an example from like the natural life, right? Okay a couple in love and say, maybe they're going through some difficult times. If they're if there's never like an encounter with the beauty of who the other person is, that's only going to get more difficult because mm-hmm. you're just going to get further and further away from being able to like really see them. And like, right. I mean, who hasn't had a friendship or a family member who they might be right. Like there might be goodness there. There might be truth there, but if it's being received in a way that's they're not receptive to mm-hmm. they don't see the beauty in it at all and um, so I think like being able to encounter the beauty of the other person that softening of the you know other person in their approach or just like you know what like we just need to work um, being present to each other and seeing who the other person is yeah um, can really bring people back to center in a, an argument or in a tough place And I think it's the same way with the church and with God right because yep. especially in our age there are plenty of teachings like morally that are not super popular right now there's plenty of truths which in our culture we're so far away from living truth um clearly that if you're not well-formed which who is well-formed in our culture like almost no one um you're not going to understand it right and that can be a very abrasive first contact with the church the beauty yeah our music is really lacking and you know you could make the argument that we've really lost beauty as well but i don't think we've lost it in our hearts right and i think it's
0: easier to open the heart with beauty than it is with the other Mm -hmm. transcendentals yeah yeah it's just just desire like what is that i want to be part of it Mm -hmm. that's so beautiful and bishop baron talks a lot about this too yes he hits the nail on the head with this yeah so beautifully how is it an invitation because once you it's like the we use this in the first episode, but it's great. And it's one of my favorites is people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care mm-hmm. and encountering them and seeing in inherently like their beauty and dignity as a human being, but also this invitation of like, there is something, a sweeter song, something to invite you into that. I want you to be part of because mm-hmm. I love you.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he makes this great point about like, we share what we love. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Anyone who has any passions, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's a great book, um, what's the first thing you want to do? You just want to share it. Which I think we've both experienced from the other person. Very much so. (laughs) Um, But that's, yeah, I think that's what beauty can do is like, just open. Mm -hmm.
0: This is so beautiful. Like, I just want you to experience this with me. Yeah. Talking about passions, let's chat about (laughs) different passions that you have that you've shared me and your experience of the beauty of God in music as a musician. It's a beautiful space. Mm -hmm.
1: So, I think that That's been a place where I've been growing. I have definitely received music as being something beautiful and something that's very prayerful in my life. From a very young, like an absurdly young age, I've always loved Gregorian chant. Freak child. (laughs) 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 But there's just a a calm and a a peace in that, which has always really stirred my heart. And then, you know, I I grew up, I played piano, I sang, I was a music major in college, and I think in those years... It became more of an external, like, performance thing. And I kind of got away from, like, understanding this is something of God. And then coming back um, into the fullness of it, practicing and expressing my faith, I have been reconnected to that idea of it as music as a prayer, but also that music as a charism of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Too. That's been really beautiful for me to start to not just receive music as a prayer, but also to like fully express it as a prayer and as a charism that I've been given. Very like it's just a very free thing. It's um yeah it's just it's just a special thing to like finally get into that place of like oh I really understand this. It creates that space where again like you're just being raised up like you, there's that opening of your heart um, in a radical way sometimes to like wow like you can almost hear the voice of God or even people who are aren't talented but you can see their hearts are like completely. Right there you know they're just completely you know giving themselves in that moment to the lord and to others in in their ministry um it's really incredible and i also experienced these moments when i've either been in choir or you know whatever it may be of the lyrics touching me in a way that if i had just read them or if i had just spoken them it probably wouldn't have touched me in the same way but it's just the fact that it's set to music I heard them and received them in a, at a deeper level. And those have been some really profound moments of prayer for me. Yeah, yeah, praying with the lyrics themselves. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess it says he who sings praise twice, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, just learning what what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We
0: more than yeah. I, there's so many beautiful moments that I can think of in my faith life where midnight mass, oh yeah, or Easter vigil, holy mm-hmm. smoke, or Easter Sunday morning, like these beautiful like huge celebrations that we see in Catholicism and how much music plays a part. In- This is so beautiful. This is such a beautiful celebration. Mm -hmm. Um, And just being like called up to just another level of prayer through the music there.
1: There's just something, yeah, transcendental about music. I mean, it's in the air. Like you really, yeah, you can notate sort of what it is. But that's not really music. It's just notes on a page. I I love, not to go back to Tolkien, but But to go back to Tolkien. (laughs) You know, and his creation myth for middle earth it's all a symphony yeah like he creates you know his angels basically and they're all given instruments and they all play and that's how the earth is created and i think that that's just such a beautiful image for
0: for what music is you know yeah that's beautiful what is the role of music and mass we've kind of touched on this a little bit but just to dig a little bit deeper what's the role of those in music ministry when it comes to music and mass and why should we all sing even if we some of us are tone deaf and don't think they have a great voice Um, those are great questions
1: Music in the Mass is first and foremost an expression of worship. Mm-hmm. So I think as music ministers with any kind of authority over like what the music is going to be, we always want to make sure that it is focused on the Lord. It's not focused on ourselves. Right. And as performers, I think it's very important to... Make sure that we're not buying into the music culture of this is a performance and this is all about me and I'm going to stand up here and, you know, make this very much a- about yourself. But to be engaging that humility of this is a prayer I am leading, Yes. but this isn't about me. One thing that I really love, and unfortunately a lot of newer churches don't have the choir loft in the back. But I love that because, firstly, the acoustics, they're on scene, right. you know, and that's not to say that you don't want to appreciate your church musicians. Please appreciate all church Put musicians. Put a lot of work, into what lot of they work. Do. But when it is the liturgy, when it is the mass specifically, everything should be oriented towards what is happening on the altar. And in a culture where, I mean, we kind of tend to worship our rock stars, mm-hmm. I think we just really want to as church musicians really be
0: conscientious and careful that that doesn't become the culture of how we engage music in the mass. Yeah. I think it's beautiful too, when you have both the musicians and the parish who has this beautiful understanding Mm -hmm. of this is a prayer, because it's really easy to have, you know, to go in with this, this is a prayer, I'm leading in a prayer. And then a parish responds like, this is a performance. And then, yeah, there's just Mm -hmm. a juxtaposition of no, this is, I'm leading in a prayer because in some ways, at least this was my experience when I was in choir's, it was easy to think of like, I'm here not to worship the Lord, not to engage into mass, but just to provide the music for mm-hmm. it. And almost feeling like maybe I should go to two masses because I feel like I'm so focused on like, I have to sing this note right at the responsorial song, mm-hmm. or I have to make sure that people perceive me as like super talented as a pianist, That I felt completely disengaged from the mass, right? which was such a dangerous thing. So this was a place of anxiety and fear for me too, as
1: a performer, as a church musician. Mm-hmm. Um, And I really brought it to the Lord in prayer, and what he gave me was this just very beautiful but simple image. So imagine a father with his little girl, and she's, you know, like five years old. She's going to play her first recital, right? Yeah. And she gets up there, and she does whatever she does on the piano. I've taught five-year-olds before, it's usually interesting. And he is so proud of her. Yeah. He It's just his little girl. And like he's just so proud that she went up and so touched that she would go up you know, and like make her daddy proud. Mm-hmm. And then 20 years down the road, she's like an accomplished pianist. And she goes up and she plays something just superbly masterfully. And he is so proud of her and has so much joy But it's really the same. Yeah, it's the same as when she was five as to when she's 25, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the father's heart when right. he sees any of his children go up for his glory to sing. It's the act of doing that. It's the act of like raising our voices um, to him that he really cares about. Yeah, it's not about the skill level. And that's the same reason Why, you know, even if you're tone deaf, you still sing. Mm -hmm. Because
0: for Jesus, it's still a beautiful song. Right, right. It's still, like, I love that. Like, you're doing this for the glory of him. Like, this Mm -hmm. is to bring glory to the Lord. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And two, like, even looking at the song as a form of prayer, we don't do ourselves any justice or our relationship with the Lord any justice. if We're constantly like, well, I'll pray when I I can pray perfectly. Right. When I have all this together and I can present this beautiful prayer before the Lord, that's when he wants to hear me. Like, no, thank goodness. Like, the Lord wants to encounter us in our brokenness Mm -hmm. and in our messiness and in our tone deafness because... We're striving to honor him. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Perfectionism is never a good
0: place to be. No, not at all. Switching gears a little bit. <laughs> Another passion of yours, nature and the beauty of oh, nature. Yeah. How have you encountered the Lord the beauty of nature?
1: Oh gosh, so, so many, many ways. <laughs> all the ways. Yes. So I was away from the church for a while. in kind of towards the end of college, which was pretty difficult um, time in my life. Nature is a big way that the Lord... Really spoke to me kept my heart open to him the beauty of a sunset like I Remember so many beautiful sunsets that would just take my breath away Mm -hmm. And I would see him in it like that was for me like even Amid everything that was going wrong. I knew that was for me like a God who would make something as ridiculous as like light pollution, right? so beautiful like how could he be a bad god you know like how could he not exist to encounter the mountains just to be up there in the peace and the stillness and the quiet and everything about it is just so beautiful and like even the air smells good right you take this for granted but it's just it's beautiful um and again like a god who can make all of this like what does his heart look like Mm -hmm. you know um, and yeah, I've just really seen the Lord really work on my heart, that receptivity in these moments of beauty in nature. There's just a part of my heart that's very filled by just getting that touch of like his natural creation. Yeah. Like this is a part of who he is because as any artist knows, like you, part of who you are goes into your creation. Right. You know? And it's just a really
0: beautiful way to experience him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've been talking a lot this past week about how wondering how people who live in these such beautiful like places in the United States and you see these high suicide rates in, mm-hmm. in states like Oregon or Colorado and these like places where we're from Kansas, it's very flat. We've got great sunsets, but we don't have many mountains, where we go to encounter this beauty and how that draws us up because it's a beauty that's paired with hope. Right. But then just this awful desperation that comes when this beauty is paired with despair. Right. And how instead of, oh how what a beautiful God, this is what his heart looks like, it's like oh, even this doesn't matter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, even, you know, what is this? That Even this is going to go away. Yeah.
1: And that's the thing is, I think if you're going to nature or, or anything else, right, mm-hmm. and you're looking for it to be your ultimate fulfillment, yep. you are going to get to that place of even this doesn't touch me. Right. It's, it's an easy step to why do I even want to exist mm-hmm. if I can't even appreciate like this beautiful place. Yeah. Um, so I think that that is an important thing to remember with with beauty is it works. I mean, like the theology of icons, right? Yeah. There are windows into the infinite Mm -hmm. windows to eternity. And I think beauty, especially like in nature, it operates the same way. It's a window into something more. And that, um, as long as you have that perspective, you're never going to make an idol out of it because idols
0: will never satisfy. Right. Yeah. Stuffing like, whatever into a God-shaped hole and hoping that you leave a little bit more full. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, God calls us to the fullness of, of life, which mm-hmm. is the fullness of the human experience. And uh, he became incarnate yeah. for the sake of like knowing us, you know, as humans.
0: <laughs> Talking about encountering people. So there's this beauty that we appreciate kind of like on a physical, tangible level, but there's also a beauty that we can appreciate on a spiritual level too. On that spiritual level, how have you been able to encounter God's beauty through your friendship with the saints?
1: Oh, our favorites,
0: uh, our favorites. What a great question. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Um, I
1: think that man, the saints have taught me so much and it's just been so beautiful for me and my story, even just from being a young girl, just ha- having these friendships with the saints and seeing how different saints kind of step into my life yes. at, at different points, but specific to beauty, you know, I will say on a spiritual level, mm-hmm. So St. Teresa of Avila, right? So she's my confirmation saint. And she's just this magnificent, fiery, passionate Mm -hmm. woman. Very, um, yeah, very much loved the arts and everything. Yeah. Loved literature, all these things. But what was interesting after her Carmelite reform, like her personality doesn't change. I mean, you can see it in her writings of just being very on fire, very much in love, loved Mm -hmm. beauty, um, all of these things. But... If you go to Avalon and you see like the convent of St. Joseph, Mm -hmm. it's very simple. Yeah. It's just very simple. And like she had gotten to that point of just realizing the spiritual realities are so full and so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like just to make the space for that, she she wanted that simplicity. Yeah. Um, Which was really profound for me just to be in that space and recognize that. Because especially when you're on pilgrimage, it's like super ornate church after super ornate church. And just see it, that all stripped down and just to be reminded, you know what, Jesus and the tabernacle, that is beauty. Yeah. It kinda of takes your breath away when you're just contrasting. I think that is a very helpful lesson for me, who is very much artistic and very like, you know, starry eyed at all the beautiful things. <laughs> um, to remember, you know what, there's nothing more beautiful than our Lord in the Eucharist. Right. Um, the supernatural realities are always going to make anything else tell in comparison which is so hard to remember <laughs> but i think very true so i would say to her, her i think she she keeps me centered mm-hmm. she keeps me from making beauty and idol i like it yeah
0: there's this beautiful sculpture where she's in ecstasy it's, like it's in our lady of
1: victory in rome because i know it's like oh. under like these frescoes of the battle of ponta The ecstasy of St. Teresa.
0: Yeah. And that's just such a beautiful, physical way to put exactly what you just said. She is so full of this love, of beauty, not of these things around her. Like, it's not like she's staring at this beautiful painting Mm -hmm. and being drawn to this ecstasy. Like, she's being pierced with God's love.
1: Well, and there's that quote, St. Augustine, right? Late have I loved you, a beauty ever, ancient, ever. new. Yes. And I love praying with that. I mean, I get the late have I loved you part, (laughs) but... Beauty ever ancient, ever new. Like yeah. just to try to just wrap, wrap his, your head around yeah, that all encompassing. Yeah, and all the things that we find so beautiful are all just expressions from His
0: heart. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, another passion of yours? How do you experience God through the beauty of a literature? Oh gosh, all the ways. <laughs> okay, books are the best. They are like
1: stories. If you don't love fiction, you need to learn to love fiction. Stories, I think, communicate so much hope. Like mm-hmm. a good, a well-written story from a good perspective, like a good Catholic perspective. It just shows us, you know, like in much of the way, like the Gospels or some of the great stories in the Bible show yeah. us that God brings all things to the good for those who love him. That has been such an important part of my life, like unbelievably crucial part of my life to keeping that hope alive is to recognize, you know, in a story like Lord of the Rings. to I mean, bring it back to Tolkien, <laughs> The third time. Sorry, guys. <laughs> To look at how much hope is every step of the way, like Frodo Baggins could never have accomplished this crazy, overwhelming, like ridiculous mission if he could not have kept hope alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, and just to see, you know, through all the dips and turns Mm -hmm. and all of these things that he went through, like look what look what he was brought to. Look at the fullness he was brought to. You know, same thing with the lives of the saints, Saint Augustine. What a crazy man. Mm-hmm. You know? A crazy story, but look at the fullness he was brought to. Yes. Him thought, the holiness he was brought to. I mean mm-hmm. it's just story after story after story. Um Brides had revisited another great yes. story. And I know Bishop Barron loves this mm-hmm. thing. But just to see, yeah, specifically in this book, how they encounter with beauty with Charles yeah. really grabs his attention. And like the twists and turns and the, the valleys and the heights of that story mm-hmm. still lead to the this beautiful scene at the end where like he meets jesus yeah. which is so incredible i i love to encounter hope through literature i think that's why i keep coming back to great books it's just beautiful and that's why i hate books that don't have a redemptive quality to them they're the worst i'm
0: not a book burner but... tell us how you really feel you need redemption. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so beautiful, too. Like, even Jesus tells stories. Like, yeah. when he comes to us, mm-hmm. there have been so many times where it's just been like, it's a parable. It's a story because he knows that that's a way to encounter our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Because he made our hearts.
0: Right, exactly.
1: He made our hearts for stories. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, other than the ones we've already mentioned. Ooh. Lord of the Rings, Bright Side Revisited. If you have listeners who want to encounter beauty through literature, what would you recommend? then? Like, Add to their summer reading list to get from the library? I think it depends
1: on kind of what you're looking for where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, I love Michael O'Brien. That He's a Canadian author. He is currently living. Um, and he's written, gosh, I think 13 yeah, novels. quite a bit of them. And he, they're all beautiful. Um, very, very much in a, set in a Catholic worldview. Mm-hmm. If I was going to pick one, I would say maybe Island of the World. Yeah, yeah, it's a honking huge book. It is, but it's a brick. <laughs> it's beautiful just to see. I mean, there's a lot of suffering in it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of beauty, and there's some really cool scenes, kind of in the middle of the book, where um, just the encounter with beauty is just like this healing, beautiful uh, balm mm-hmm. for the main character's heart. Um, so I would say that one for sure. Um, if you like poetry. I mean there's always the divine comedy like, yeah there's yeah you can't go wrong with that nothing more beautiful than that um i also really like t.s Eliot's four quartets they're kind of hard to engage sometimes mm-hmm. but he's a beautiful poet and there's a lot to kind of chew on yeah with those a story that's really good if you want something just a little bit different is david copperfield yeah charles dickens yeah the classic yeah mm-hmm. you've read it right mm-hmm. There's just a simplicity and an innocence yeah. about that story that I just find so refreshing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Especially in a world that is complicated and kind of messy, it's nice mm-hmm. to go back to, just to a simple classic that really, yeah, it gets it right. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with Charles Dickens. No, nope. no, nope. got it down. Yeah, I think too. Like we've been talking about the saints. If you're looking for a book where it talks about encountering the saints and seeing beauty in the way that God leads them into your life, my sister's the saints mm-hmm. by Colin Campbell. But this is a book that I picked up like five f- or six times. Phenomenal. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic, and just how the way that these saints have found her. Um, yeah. And encouraged her to, yeah, turn towards the Lord in times of struggle, in times of pain, in times of rejoicing, and how she finds beauty in her interaction with them as well.
1: Yeah, I yeah, know, that's a great book too to kind of make you aware of, oh, are there saints in my story? And there are. Yes, there absolutely yes, sir, are. Yes, mm-hmm. um, but to make you aware and to start
0: looking for that. You've been living with me here in this house for a month, but you're getting ready and gearing up for this beautiful pilgrimage that I'm so excited to to see you go on and live vicariously through you afterward (laughs) but it's this pilgrimage of beauty yes so explain the concept behind how you came up with this idea of this pilgrimage of beauty and what just kind of like this broad what's it going to look like sure so uh, one of the other girls and I who are discerning the same community
1: we're taking about almost two weeks I think yeah just encounter beauty um through the great like Churches, mm-hmm. Catholic authors. Yeah. And all these things. So we're going to start in England with, um, hopefully, G.K. Chesterton's hometown. Hopefully. <laughs> but definitely Oxford. Um, and then we're going to hit Paris. Hopefully, Chartres and Lisieux, And then we're going to hit Turin, Milan, Ravenna, Venice, and then the mountains in Italy. So, yeah. But it's All the beauty. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. But, yeah, we're definitely pretty focused and on a lot of the literary Catholics, so we'll you know, we'll see the tomb of Dante, we'll see, you know, Tolkien's grave, mm-hmm. Chesterton's grave, in um, Paris, I mean Sharp is Bishop Barron's oh, so favorite place from yeah. what I can tell. So yeah. I'm really excited to meet that. But also the simplicity and beauty of the little flower. I mean, yes. Again, that simplicity and beauty tied yes. together. That will be that'll be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame Saint Chapelle. Yeah. But yeah, we're just really trying to be intentional about, you know, like letting our hearts kind of experience that and uh, yeah, to open our hearts more to the Lord, but also so, you know, we can pour that out
0: for others as well. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I think it would be, I love how this focus on beauty opens your heart up to be able to encounter the Lord too, especially on pilgrimage, like you mentioned this, like it's easy to go like, oh, here's another pretty church. Oh, here's another pretty church. But to encounter the beauty of it intentionally through the spirit of a pilgrimage, I love that. That's beautiful. Because yeah, it's like, okay, hey, Jesus, this is beautiful. How, how are you speaking to me? Beauty? Right, right. How is this pointing me back to you? What part of your heart yeah. is this revealing to my heart? Yeah. Take all the pictures and then come back and yeah. then come on the podcast again and tell us about it. Okay. So beautiful. I Deal. love it. So we've been talking about beauty through this, how we experience this through our hearts. How can we grow to be more aware of beauty in today's world? Um, and do you have any practical tips for listeners, on how we can contemplate beauty more in our daily lives?
1: So, I think that we have to drop our attitude.
0: Yes. Um,
1: Brene Brown, she talks about how, you know, we, it's the culture of uh, scarcity. Yeah. And the minute we wake up, the first thing we think is, I didn't get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, the last thing we think before we go to bed at night is, I didn't get enough done. Right. And I think if we're always operating out of that kind of lens of scarcity, we just miss everything. We miss um, a genuine encounter with another person. We definitely miss the sunset. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, we do. Um, so I think that I mean I, this is kind of my jam right now. But like trying to be present mm-hmm. in each moment is really important. Um, don't overschedule yourself. Right. Let let the things that aren't important go a little bit more, and block out time just to yeah to go sit in the Adoration Chapel and be like, okay, Jesus. Show me how you're beautiful. Yeah. Because yeah. he
0: wants to show you. Yeah. He wants to show you. Yeah. Or, you know, go on a hike. Mm-hmm. Get outside. Like,
1: take time to look at a leaf. Yeah. Like, that sounds so dumb, but seriously, they are cool. <laughs> <laughs> They're
0: beautiful. They're yeah. beautifully complex.
1: But the thing about beauty is you have to take time. Right. You have to take time. Yeah. So, I think, to cultivating that quality and kind of how you look at the world, right, that also opens you up to see the beauty in people who are really hard to love um, and to look a little bit deeper into, yeah, where is the beauty in this person? Like where, and I think that's so important to our world where people feel unseen, unlovable, right. unbeautiful,
0: mm-hmm. and insufficient. Yeah.
1: And ultimately I think, yeah, that's what we're called to do
0: is to see the beauty in every person and to be able to, to encounter that genuinely. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the women who I listened to at the given conference here in Kansas City this year said, leave room in the margins of your day yeah which i love so I that like you're not that. rushing to and from and that there's enough wiggle room in the day that you can stop and look at a leaf yeah as simple as that sounds oh, yeah that's so beautiful thanks for coming on the show today sarah well, thanks for having me of course Thank- it's been beautiful talking about beauty with you, <laughs> <laughs> right you. we'll close the episode in a glory be mm-hmm. in the, name of the father son holy spirit amen glory be to the father and to it's the son and to the, the holy spirit, 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 spirit as it was and in the beginning spirit, is and now and ever shall be world be, without end amen, amen